This is the Roaring Elephant podcast for the 1st of August 2017. A podcast about Apache Hadoop and the surrounding ecosystem for anybody working with or investigating big data. My name is Jon and here is my co-host Dave. Hi Dave. Hello Jon. Good morning, afternoon, evening, whatever, wherever you are. Indeed, it is one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and the reason we can't really say what kind of a thing it is is because we're on vacation. Indeed, or at least this we hope to be on vacation. Is, yeah, that's true. That's true. This episode is being recorded ahead of time. Um, uh, in fact, yeah, this this episode has been recorded at a variety of ahead of times. <laughs> uh, we're recording the intro and outro right now, and uh, we are also using uh, a few more parts of the excellent interview session we had with with Alan Gates. Um, so crossing that vacation chasm, as uh, Jon put it, we're uh, bringing you more goodness from Alan Gates, this time around the DataWorks Summit, um, you know, his session that he gave there, and also the, the DataWorks Summit in general, and it talks a little bit about the previous uh, Hadoop Summit as well. Yeah, I'm going to go a bit in depth on the LAP and the Druid Cubes, so it's a very interesting part of the uh, interview we did. The first two parts, we already went live uh, well, a couple of episodes ago, I guess. Yep. Where we talked more generically about Hive, but the session he gave at the summit was specifically, or let's not say specifically, but the, the, the primary idea was the OLAP cubing and data warehouse cap- capabilities that Drew was giving it. And in this part of the interview, we're going more in depth on that one. The reason we pushed this one a bit forward was to just wait to see how Drew it was, uh, yeah, evolving the last couple of months and we've had uh, talks about it already because we talked about the blog posts coming from uh, Hortonworks the last few months and stuff so uh, it's definitely a live thing and I think the interview is a very interesting uh, interview for people who are in this data uh, warehouse uh, area of the big data world Indeed and with that let's, uh, let's kick off Alan's interview Let's do I'll be back with the interview after the music The, you know, we recently had the DataWorks Summit in, in Munich, and there was a, a session of uh, data warehousing with Hive, um, introducing uh, a number of new and exciting, interesting, uh, um, interesting pieces around Hive. So, you know, first of all, kind of LLAP, um, you know, we, there were some conversations and there were some sessions on it last year. Um, LLAP really now starting to hit that sort of production-ready uh, limelight. Disappointed to still uh, to notice that we're now no longer referring to it as live long and process, though. <laughs> well, Come on. So we in the engineering team certainly all um, still refer to it that way. I know the our marketing team <laughs> has tried to backronym it to various different things because they didn't <laughs> care for that. And it seemed a little too nerdy to them, but no. I, I whenever I do a talk, I still say what it stands for and give them the Vulcan symbol. So we haven't backed away from that. Nice, nice. Okay, so for anyone that's that's not following along at home and uh, they're thinking LLAP, what what the heck's that all about? Um, do you want to just uh, give 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 a few words on on LLAP and what it means? Sure. So traditionally, Hive, of course, worked inside the Hadoop framework where. Every time you get a 
SQL query, you translate that into, well, it used to be a MapReduce job, now a Tez job or a Spark job, and you, you spin that, you spawn that off into the Hadoop cluster. That's fine, but if you're spinning up tasks every time you get a query, you're never going to be super fast. You, you're just going to have a five to 10 second startup time, no matter what you do, because that's the way Hadoop works. Um, plus, you're giving up lots of opportunities to cache data if you've got people doing similar queries, because often you'll find that you have a hot data set or something like that. Um, or you may have one person working with the same data set, but asking just slightly different questions about it. And so you're giving up all those opportunities as well if you're spinning up new tasks every time. So a number of years ago, we set out to build LLAP for Hive, which tries to deal with all this. So it brings MPP technology into Hive where you have a set of standing servers that cache uh, portions of the data. And that cache is aware of how the data is partitioned, both in terms of um, you know the partitions on disk and also the columns. So it may only cache the, you know, maybe there's 100 columns in a table, but people are only querying on 10 or 12 of them. It'll only cache those columns that are being uh, consistently read. And in addition to caching this, it can actually push execution down into these servers. So when you run a query, if that data is already cached, there's, no, there's nothing to spin up, no need to read off disk at all. It just goes right to that. Uh, node where it's cached says, you know, here, please aggregate the data this way, sort it that way, and hand it back to me, and um, boom, your query is answered. So we're, you know, we're seeing our query times drop from a minimum of five to ten seconds down into a minimum of one and a half to two seconds. And honestly, that minimum now is driven not by the execution but by the planning time. So hmm. we we actually have queries where it takes us a second or a second and a half to plan it and only 500 milliseconds to execute it inside LLAP. So obviously you can see where our next uh, bit of work is. Uh, <laughs> what we are what we've already started on figuring out how to do that planning faster. But um, that's that's really the key thing here is we want to enable that user who's sitting at the keyboard typing queries and getting that instant response. Or, I mean, probably for them, they're sitting clicking on a BI tool or something that's drawing pretty pictures for them. But still, they want that to happen quickly, not, not like, oh, it's five or ten seconds. I'll go check my Facebook page or whatever <laughs> while I wait. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the LAP is sort of one element of this um, data warehousing with Hive, and it's um, for for those that uh, aren't familiar with the backronym, um, the uh, low latency analytics no, protocol. I think that's not it. Is 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 the is at least one of the backronyms <laughs> that's been uh, that's been shared. A little around. processing, I think they make it. <laughs> processing, yeah, okay. close, close. Um, but the the other part that uh, that is sort of maybe not not quite so far down the line in terms of um, uh, in in terms of that sort of development effort seems to be a little bit younger is um, and you alluded to it in uh, the previous section is um, integrating Druid with Hive and um, using that to provide OLAP cubing. Um, 
again, you know, for, for those that uh, are thinking, Druid, well, why on earth would I want Druids in my hive? And <laughs> isn't that going to make the bees upset and things like that? Can you perhaps give a, a bit of a, a run through on what, what's Druid? Why is it particularly interesting when it comes to hive? And what, what sort of really does it bring to the party? Sure. So Druid's uh, technology developed uh, originally by a startup called Metamarkets. Um, that's really their focus is in being able to ingest um, OLAP type data, meaning you know you've got dimensions and measures, ingest it at a very high rate, and then answer queries off of that um, very quickly. Now, traditionally, these types of OLAP indices are very good for uh, slice and dice sorry, slice and dice type queries where you're doing cubing and that kind of stuff. Um, they don't have a SQL interface on top of Hadoop, or sorry, on top of Druid. So it's it comes with its own UI to do that and stuff. So it, it's very useful. But for the Hive perspective, it can be our, our OLAP indices. Rather than us needing to build that ourselves, Hive already has a way to work with foreign storage uh, systems like HBase or something. So we hooked Druid into that same uh, route. We can use it to use the to do the queries. Now the piece I think that isn't there yet is really teaching the optimizer to realize, oh, I have these tables, mm-hmm. but this and the query was against those tables, but I could actually answer that faster off of this Druid index. So having the optimizer be at a point where it can do that rather than forcing you as the user to realize the druids there and use the, um, the index yourself. So that's where we want to go with that and be able to do that. We're also adding materialized views, which can be useful mm-hmm. in those same uh, types of situations. So people can create materialized views and use those as well. And again, we'll need to teach the optimizer to when to pick between a materialized view, when to pick between the ba- you know when to use the base table instead, and all those kinds of things. And it's definitely true that that's not. I wouldn't call this stuff prime time yet. I think we're still calling it tech preview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah personally, I don't know much about Druid uh, in specific details, but th- those indexes are also distributed across the cluster. Do they have the same kind of uh, growth possibility? What's the concurrency evaluation there? Yeah, they are um, distributed. They are um, just like LLAP. They have a segment that they keep in memory, and then they back it to disk. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know, they can grow in the same way that anything on Hadoop grows well by distributing well across um, a number of nodes. Um, as far as concurrency, they don't yet participate in Hive's transactional system. Okay. But they do have, they have their own consistency model around streaming data in. So you don't get dirty reads, but we're not yet at a point where it could be integrated uh, with what Hive's doing. Okay. Typically, OLAP cubes, in my experience, are used for read mostly. You have the, the cube, and then you flatten to the indexes, the dimensions you want to get uh, reporting out or whatever. Are you indicating here that you're going to be using Druid to write to Hive as well, through the OLAP cubes? Um. Well, I think, I don't know that we'd use it to write to Hive. I think the interesting question is, say you have data coming in on a Kafka topic Mm -hmm. and you want to, you know, that data may be arriving very quickly and you want to be able to ingest that well and show that. So it might be, you might be having Kafka write into Hive and at the same time have it writing into Druid. Okay. And then the challenge will be, how do I coordinate that? 
so that I'm seeing a consistent view between yeah, yeah, those yeah, two, yeah. right? That is something we haven't resolved yet. Yes, because because it's uh, uh, spread over the cluster, it will be eventually consistent, but your queries need to have one is one and two is two. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, with with LLAP, there, there was sort of the ability to essentially designate a, a slice of your cluster as a as a percentage in a yeah, in a capacity scheduler queue, effect, effectively in, within Yarn. Yes. Um, there's also now the ability, I believe, to actually you know designate designate specific nodes towards uh, LLAP. Mm-hmm. Um, is is the same sort of um, split available within Druid, or is it handled slightly differently? How does that how does that work? Um, so I don't know how far along Druid is in the integration with the Hadoop. Uh, the project in Hadoop to do all this for standing services is called Slider, um, though I believe mm-hmm. in Hadoop 3 that's kind of moving into Hadoop itself. I, I don't know how far along uh, Druid is on that integration path, but that's obviously where we're going to want to take it, right? We want to have um, just one scheduler. You know, If you're having to set aside nodes completely for another technology, then that doesn't play well in the world we're trying to build where we want Yarn to be the one making those scheduling choices. Uh, how important do you think uh, OLAP cubes and Druid are going to be for Hive? Is this going to be the next uh, big thing in Hive, or is this just something that's going to be there as well if you want it? Um, I don't know if I'd say it's the next big thing. It's really about what do, you know when our customers at Hortonworks come to us and say. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to move more and more of my workload onto Hadoop, and this is what's preventing me. That's one of the most common things we hear, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So, so there's demand for it. Yeah, that that's really what's driving it. Whether it's going to be a big thing, I, I don't know, but um, I, I think it's going to enable that much more migration of customer workloads onto our platform, which is obviously to us a big thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, since we have a Apache mentor uh, in the interview here, uh, Druid isn't an Apache project at the moment. Are they moving that way? And if not, is that going to be a problem in the future? You think? Um, so there's uh, been some discussion in the Druid community, as far as I know, about moving to Apache. So far, they um, they haven't made a decision one way or another. Um, I I personally would love to see them move toward being Apache because what's great about having an Apache project is, as we talked about a a while ago, the governance model and Mm -hmm. everybody understands how to work with it and everybody feels comfortable with it. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you go to a a partner and you say, yeah, let's work together on this project and it's an Apache. They know what they're getting. Um, So obviously I would like to see Druid move that way, but at last, I knew the community had discussed it, but hadn't made a decision one way or another. Yeah. Well, uh, somebody told me there's something with a patent issue, some IP that isn't completely open. Mm. There's something going on. Nobody tells me any details. Anything you can share? I, I don't know. I don't know anything about a, any particular patent issues with Druid. I do know that one of the rules of the Apache license is if you contribute code. It, that is covered by a patent you own you uh a side effect of that is you are con- granting apache mm-hmm. a perpetual license to that patent oh, okay so if there is somebody who has patented code that they've contributed to druid 
um, I can see why they would have concerns about that going into Apache. I'm not aware if that's happened or not, but if it has, I, their concerns there would be legitimate. Well, let's just keep it on hearsay then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, I mean, other other things that, that came up with, and in fact, you, again, you, you've alluded to it earlier, um, sort of the status of ACID within uh, Hive. Um, we've, you know, we've, we've come a long way uh, in sort of adding things like... Uh, merge um into uh into hive where where are we in terms of kind of full acid compliance what what does that uh, what does that look like and and you know perhaps t- talk a little bit about um where where that acid compliance is really heading towards in terms of the the kind of use cases it's more focused towards sure so we started out um a couple of years ago when we first added it all we added was, I mean, you could already do insert. We made it so you could do that in an ACID-compliant way. We, mm-hmm. we added update and delete. Um, that was a, a good start. We really needed to add merge. Uh, that was done just in this last release. The, mm-hmm. All of this is in a kind of an auto-commit state where you, you, know, you cannot have a cross-query transaction. You can't say begin, update, 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 commit. It's, you know, each update is its own transaction. So obviously we, yeah. we want to add that in so that people can do, um, you know, can bring in more workloads where you want to make multiple changes in a transactional way. Um, the other thing is we'd like to do, at this point, kind of, if you're doing ACID work and you have other things that aren't ACID compliant, they don't doesn't always mesh super well together. And we want to get, um, and there's a lot of burdens on what you have to do to make a table asset. It has to be ORC. It has to be bucketed. It has to be a number of other things. We'd like to reduce some of those burdens. Now, we're still going to have to leave it in ORC because you need some support at the storage layer. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'd like to make it so that other tables that aren't ORC could at least be asset compliant in the way they do inserts. Um, you know, even though they can't do updates, delete or merge, there's no reason you don't need storage level support for the insert. So we'd like to make that play a lot better together. And there's, um, I don't remember the JIRA number, but there's a JIRA on that. It's, I think they're calling it micromanaged tables or sometimes they call it quarter acid, but basically it's the idea of we'll be ask compliant at the insert level, but we won't support the other operations because the storage layer underneath can't handle them. Um, so that's those are kind of the areas where um, we hope to see that move forward. And then the other thing is the the way we did ACID initially had some performance implications that really slowed down reads for your table. And uh, we had some contributions oh, almost a year ago now where they changed around how ACID was laid out and made it perform much, much better than the initial implementation to the point where it's really not significant. You know, it's maybe two or 3% slower than a non-acid table, but not enough to really worry about. Um, That work is in trunk of Hive, but it hasn't been released anywhere yet. So that's another piece that I'm excited to see come along. Nice. Nice. Um, One, one thought I did have the, the, 
the session that I attended with uh, with you know, Druid and Hive integration was was very much seemed to be very much focused on on time series data. But that's not that's not the only way that we can use it, right? I mean, any any sort of uh, OLAP cubing type sort of uh, query would be would fit perfectly into this. Is that correct? Pretty much. The limit um, Druid itself always considers time as a part of the data. So mm-hmm. you wouldn't have to only do time series data, but even if you don't explicitly put it there, your data is going to end up with some timestamps in it when you're using Druid because just of the way Druid works. Right. But yeah, there's no reason you couldn't store other data types. You're right. Druid was very aimed at time series. That was okay. kind of its base use case. But when we looked at it, that was one of the questions we had is, are, are we only going to be able to answer this one types of queries? Because if so, this isn't super useful <laughs> for us. Um, and we concluded that, no, we can, you know, we can always let the data have a time element to it, but still it doesn't have to be explicitly time series based data. If I remember correctly from the uh, session, I think the person said that any non-numerical value in the table uh, would become a dimension. Yep, that is uh, true. So, I mean, because it's focused around dimensions and measures, so measures are going to be assumed to be numerical, right? Mm -hmm. That would make sense. (laughs) Yep, yep. Okay, one last question, though. The session you gave us uh, named literally Data Warehousing with Hive. Now, in the past, uh, you mentioned before that Hive is not really a transactional database. It is more of a data warehouse, but it's not a full data warehouse yet. And I think this is the first time I I attended a session that actually called Hive a data warehouse. Was that a conscious choice or am I just wrong? No, it was a conscious choice. It was very much a conscious choice. And it's a little bit of a bold claim, but Mm -hmm. I was really trying to show several things, or a couple things, I guess. One is I wanted to start talking about how um, a data warehouse is more than just a SQL engine. And in fact, I started that talk by showing a picture first of just a an engine and then switching it and talking about a little bit about SQL and then switching it to a picture of a car and mm-hmm. saying, but what you really want is the whole, yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. car, right? That was you a great analogy, the, by the way. Thank you. Um, you. You know, we talk a lot about the engine and when you buy a car, you do, you look at the fuel efficiency and you look at the horsepower and uh, those sorts of things uh, in the engine, but that isn't all you look at, right? You also look at, reliability and how much storage space and does can I fit my whole family in the car and all those sorts of questions. And that's part of what I wanted to drive at here is I want to show how the Hadoop ecosystem is maturing to help answer those other questions as well. And that's why I talked about projects like Atlas that does security, uh, or sorry, Atlas that does governance and Ranger that does security. Talked about how we're doing a lot of work to make Hive and these other technologies work well in the cloud so that whether you're storing it in HDFS or storing it in an object store like S3 or um, uh, Microsoft Azure's uh, ADLS, it's all, it all still works. And it was that fact that we're bringing together a number of technologies that really made me start talking about it as a data warehouse instead of just talking about Hive as a SQL engine. Um, it, it's a little bit provocative. It's probably mm-hmm. not yet fully justified, but it, I think it gives people a good idea of where we're going. 
So a bold question, if I may, how scared should Oracle Teradata be? Um, <laughs> I, it's not my goal to scare them. It's my goal to make sure that if people want to put all their data in Hadoop and do all their processing there, they can, right? That's what in, I'm trying to enable rather than necessarily trying to scare them. Because <laughs> there's always going to be a, a difference between the concurrency availabilities, right? Because a Oracle database can have millions of people connected to it, Tinturi, I guess. A hive will, at the moment, is still, I think I'm right if I say so, based to a, a couple of users, tens, maybe a hundred, doing big queries, but not really thousands of users at the, at the same time. Is that something that's going to change in the future? Is that still... Because when you say you're not going to a full MPP database, and what I'm hearing, and maybe I'm wrong, that for me means we'll, we'll keep this analytical priority there. Um, well... It's not quite that we necessarily want to keep an analytical priority. It's that we want to be able to do either case. So whether you're doing the heavy list, heavy lifting ETL job that's going to take three hours, or whether you're doing reporting or BI type things that you expect to return in a few seconds, we want to support those both those on the same system at the same time, more than necessarily keep a focus on one or the other. As far as user limits, at this point, the the limitation that Hive has. I mean, the first limitation anyway I know of is how many users can connect to our JDBC server, which is, you know, I, somewhere under 100. Mm -hmm. After that, you have to add another JDBC server, which you can do, and it should work just fine. I, I don't know that anyone's ever tried in the thousands. At some point, the bottleneck would become the metadata system. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know how, you know, if that scales into the thousands. I, I Just to be 100% clear, too, and we're not going out in the world and claiming this, we can't do everything Teradata can do. We can't do everything Oracle can do today. Um, and we don't tell, you know, we don't try to tell people that we can't. We're very clear about don't throw that stuff away. We just want to be able to support more and more of the workload. Um, and that's why, like you see Hortonworks selling, uh, we have what we call an EDW optimization package, I think, something like that we call it. And the idea is it comes with Hive and these other technologies. You can uh, move more of your workload onto Hadoop. But again, it, it's we're very upfront. It's not going to take your entire workload. It's going to let you optimize your current EDW solution mm -hmm. and keep just the super high value stuff in there. Yeah. So still keeping it symbiotic and not parasitic. Yeah. And that's very much our approach. We're not out to eat the world we're out to have our place in it. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Thank you. So we've had the, uh, the, the first of the data work summit this year. We had the, had the Munich one, uh, obviously, uh, San Jose next. And, uh, then we're, then we're off to Australia. Um, you know, what, what were your impressions? Uh, you know, you mentioned you're involved in a lot of the, uh, organization around the, the data work summit from, a you know, sessions and that sort of thing. What were your impressions of the of the Munich summit? You know, any any changes given that we've got a, a brand new name for it from the old Hadoop summit? Um, I don't know if the name change changed too much. What really struck me um, with the Munich summit was how focused people have become on security and governance. And I know part of what's driving that, especially in Europe, is the GDPR legislation. Um, mm -hmm. Though even, I mean. Obviously, since many North American businesses also do business in, in Europe, there's a lot of people here also concerned about that. 
Um, but a big, big focus on, um, on security and governance, even beyond just GDPR, there's just a lot of interest in how, to, you know, I've got all this data, how do I keep it secure? How do I make sure that people are doing the right things with it? How do I keep track of who's accessing it? Much more focus on that than we've seen here on, in the North American front. Um, so that struck me right away. Um, also, I was struck at how, you know, what, so one of the things as part of helping organize this, we get the, the numbers of the talks that people, you know, how many people attend each talk. And so looking at the attendance numbers afterwards, I was struck at how much people are still connected to the technologies and how they're moving forward. One of the most popular talks was the Hadoop 3 talk. Mm-hmm. with you know people were very excited to hear what's coming next in Hadoop what what's being added and you do like we we talked a little bit earlier about Spark's kind of the flavor of the month it's it's the cool technology and not to say that it shouldn't be not to take anything away from it but people are still really excited to learn what's going on in Hadoop and and some of these other th- uh technologies that have been around a long time so that also struck me how how that and actually made me very happy because one thing I've really tried to focus on it and we've tried to focus on in, in running the DataWorks Summit is we do want it to be a good place for businesses to come and learn about this, about the products and, and the projects. But we also want it to be a great technical conference for the developers, for the users to come and get in touch with what is happening in Hadoop and Hive and Spark and all the other technologies. Yeah, I mean the the overall sort of security focus I think has has also been driven a lot by just wider adoption and as as the as it's come out of the out of the basement and into the enterprise um I think that that sort of has definitely accelerated this uh, increased hunger for for government and security across the board yes. and I think it's it's certainly something that that I've seen is certainly something that seems to be consistently on the forefront of pretty much every single uh, conversation and prospect that I'm I'm talking with. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. But it's good that the conversation is happening because I've had conversations in the past where people just went from the point of view that Hadoop could not possibly be secure. By having a conversation, you're able to tell the people, yeah, it can be secure. You have to secure it yourself. It's a lot of processing around it, but it's good to have the conversation going. Yeah. Well, and especially, it's funny that people say Hadoop can't be secure because, I mean, security was added to Hadoop a long time ago because, I mean, obviously, coming out of Yahoo, we had a lot of data in there that we couldn't have um, the wrong people accessing. And so it's been an integral part of it for a long time. It's really about extending that security beyond, if you will, more basic security that engineers are happy with to the the level of security that that corporations and enterprises expect right yeah. well they want to be able to integrate it in their existing dashboards processes user interfaces they have and yeah ranger and atlas give that in a big deal already yeah like a lot of these things i guess it's also making it more easily consumable right i mean the we, we've had, uh, you know, ACLs and HDFS, uh, which is all great, but uh, it's not quite as easy as a, a Ranger sort of policy. You just click a couple of checkboxes and away you go. Yeah, precisely. That's true. 
Um, so what are you what are you looking forward to um, with some of the the upcoming summits? Because there the generally seems to be sort of a, a slightly different flavor to, to each of them. Um, so what, what do you think the, the focus in, in San Jose is going to be? Um, so we've already put up the preliminary schedule for San Jose. It's not completely finished, but we have a lot of the talks out there. And um, there's a lot of a lot of focus on machine learning, um, those deep learning, those sorts of areas, which I'm excited to see that come into the Hadoop ecosystem in a, in a big way. Um, so that's, you know, that's kind of fun. It's, I would say, I mean, for me, having worked in the Hadoop community for a long time, the San Jose summit is often a family reunion of all the people that have been in this for (laughs) 10 years. So it's great to see a lot of the those technologies that have been around a long time come here, talk about what they're doing, and all that. Um, the Sydney Summit coming in September, we're just you know the call for papers is still open on that till uh, end of May. So I think it's May 26th is the uh, close on that. So I encourage your listeners to submit talks for that. Um, the that one we'll still see how that shapes up and kind of what the interest is there. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. If anyone's interested, uh, we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes to the, uh, um, the, the link where people can go and submit their talks and, uh, yeah, it, extra bonus points. If you uh, manage to squeeze a, a roaring <laughs> elephant logo slide in your presentation, by the way, for anyone that is presenting at the summit. Um, so yeah, excellent. I mean, any, any final thoughts on the, on the, Hadoop Summit as was, Data, data work Summit as is? Um, just, I mean, let me talk a little bit. You kind of referenced the, you know, was Hadoop to DataWorks? Why, why are we renaming it? it? You know, it's just because the, the big data ecosystem is growing so much. It's more than just Hadoop now. Um, you know, Hadoop kind of sits at the center of a lot of it, but there's so much going on. We didn't want this mm-hmm. to feel like just a Hadoop conference. So hence the, the extension of the name. But um yeah i'm just excited to see all these technologies come together and all the networking that comes out of that and you did set a trend because the other com- uh, conventions also changed their names after <laughs> you guys did <laughs> yes i noticed that <laughs> <laughs> back so i'd like to thank alan once again for uh, giving us yet more great material to share with our audience um that is about all the time we have for today i hope you enjoyed this serving of bite-sized big data we'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode but until then please go to www.roaringelephant.org where you can find out more information and there's also a feedback form there so if there's uh, any thoughts comments criticisms or other feedback feel free to uh, direct it in that particular location we've also got email podcast at roaringelephant.org and of course you can follow us on twitter using the at hadoopcast tag until then my name is dave And my name is John. And we look forward to talking to you in two weeks' time. Bye. See you then.